Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tracksuits and Machetes Incorporated. My name is Victor Rodriguez, and that man right there is Rafael Garcia, a true scholar, a true gem of a man. Me, I'm just a pervert with a very robust vocabulary, but we are here to talk shop, to basically uh, cover all sorts of things that are happening in the world and try to make a little bit of sense of it, man. And Raph, I really want to thank you for making the time out to join me to have this happen. No problem, man. This uh, background is kind of kind of weird. I don't know. What are we in? Like the, it's not the forest. I, no, it's 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 uh, it's some bullshit like pristine apartment that I don't actually live in. So it's cool. It's not bad. I used one at work one time that looked like a um, looked like a courtroom. I was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not feeling this one too much because <laughs> I was the only black person in there in the whole meeting, and I'm like, this uh, feels some type of way. <laughs> <laughs> I was I always wanted to see. There's one that I remember seeing somebody use one that was like a. Um, like a cheap set of some kind of show, like a like a space show, like a space drama. It was supposed yeah. to be like a ship and everything. And it was just like, ooh, that looks a little too chintzy. I don't like that. That shit does not. It, it just it, it wasn't it wasn't slapping. It just didn't uh, work for me. I'm like, mm, yeah. but I like this one, though. This is this is actually pretty cool. Microsoft, they have enough money to step this game up a little bit. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully they'll get around to it at some point. I don't think they will. I don't think let me stop it right there. I don't think they will at all. You know why? Because they haven't done. If the pandemic didn't help them, didn't light a fire under their ass, like you've had this advantage. You get lapped by Facebook. Everybody's on Zoom now. Like the connection problems are still the same. The warping and the warbling are still the same. Like I I don't. Yeah, they really don't care. And what makes it more frustrating is like I've been on Xbox Live. Since what, 2007, 2008, you know what I mean? Like the infrastructure for that is pretty damn solid. I love it. Mm-hmm. But somehow they couldn't they couldn't just get a couple of people over and be like, hey, man, how can we use some of the stuff you guys do here to fix this thing over here? Didn't it's happen. so weird, man. It's so weird. It's like the what is it? What do they say? The right hand isn't talk. The right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing or something like that. Like whatever that saying is. Probably. Maybe. You know what? It, I, you'd think that something would have shaken them out. But like it just it just never seemed to never seemed to bother them, I guess. They're content with what they got. So, so we got a couple of different things to talk about today, my friend. Um, oh boy, Mitch McConnell-ish, talking a little bit of healthy relationships. I think, I think that's going to be a recurring conversation, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL, man. Um, you know, sports. We got to kind of work that in a little bit. But let's start with our buddy, your friend, and mine, humanitarian, known across the world, Mitch McConnell. He is continuing to have health issues. I believe it was, was it this week or last week that he had the second instance where he was at a press event being asked questions and he froze like Mr. Freeze's wife in Batman and just couldn't function in any way, shape or form. Let's just talk about that first, but then I want to talk about everyone's reaction to both instances where uh, I, I have some interesting thoughts about that, but did you see the, the, the news around his, I guess, what do you want, his off switch being left off? Uh, yeah, okay, so it's kind of funny when you see a dude like him who wields so much influence and power just be away from keyboard this long, like in the middle of a thing, right? Now, I did not prepare properly for this. I did not bring my tinfoil hat or my kufi, but 
I have a theory for this. I have, I have a very strong hypothesis, okay? And it works in a couple of phases. Phase one, one of his interns, one of his somebody is trying to sabotage him, okay? By means of taking his cell phone or whatever device he uses for his online perusings and leaving a web browser page open to dogfart.com. So now, now he's exposed. He is... Mitch McConnell has finally, in his age, been exposed to something he did not know exists, which is interracial pornography, right? That's step one. Step two. Step two. In the press pool, they have planted somebody, a secret agent, all right, who very strongly resembles Prince Yashua. So now he's standing there, and he's just... And the only thing he's muttering to himself is equal rights, knee pads. He doesn't know what to do. He does not know what to do. He's thinking Japanese pro wrestling moves in the infamous role. He has no idea what's going on. And it's just it's breaking his brain. It's leaking out of the sides of his ears because somebody's trying to box him out in some sort of a power play. All these people are old. They shouldn't be there. It's all about money. It's all the only reason these cats are there. Right. The people that are holding them in those positions are people that are lobbying strong to keep things as bad as possible, right? In order to enrich themselves. And people like him, who should know better, right? You think he'd have a successor in place. He'd have somebody who could do things that are just as evil. There's no shortage of people like that. That's true. There are no but they, But, like, you're still there at this age with this this level of brain rot. It shouldn't have to be that way. Like, what more is there for you to do? You're rich as hell. You're incredibly influential and powerful. You could just... Fuck off and, you know, go to your cottage or whatever, your mansion, whatever the hell it is you got. He got money. His wife got money. Like, she came from money. Yeah. What are we doing here? I, I just, I, I don't even, I, this this whole thing about, I, I frankly don't care. I don't like the idea of people saying, and I know this is going to get more into the reaction stuff. I don't like people talking about, well, we need to have more compassion necessarily. But I don't want to step too much on that, man. I want to, what, what, what was your first reaction when you saw that? Well, actually, as well but we'll come back to that my reaction was the was the same thing they 384 i believe he's a little bit older they're all in that same club they're all they're on like 84 you know anywhere between 78 to 85 what what job in our society today can you be that old and still keep it like imagine if if uh phil jackson you know multiple time champion the Zen master, as they called him back in the NBA. Imagine him trying to coach at 81, 82, 83 years old. They would run him off. They will. They will make up. They will. They will make an office for him. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let, I got. I got to interrupt here. I got to counter for to that. Hubie Brown. Hubie Brown was coaching late in his. So the, is the problem really the matter of age, or is it a matter of competency and like ability? And then on top of that, the results that you strive for. Because Bernie Sanders, his brain is still. You know, true. nowhere near a guy like someone like Diane Feinstein. That's true. That's true. Very true. Yep. You know, I don't know that I don't know that he should be president necessarily. I'd be worried about that, especially a dude who's had heart problems and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's not very stable. I like his policies and, and a lot of the stuff that he's about. I don't think he's enough to the left for my likes, but that's me. However, I think he's he'd be a far better option than any of these other ghouls. But at the same time, you know, that does that does raise some concerns and some worries. So I don't think it's just purely a matter of age, because, again, look at uh, um, uh, what's his name? Matt Gates in Florida. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not even 50. I mean, Ron DeSantis is 44. 44 years old, dog. He's five years older than me. Like, that's scary. If you think and- about it. <laughs> 
I didn't even realize how old he was until um, I was having a conversation with somebody and they were talking about uh, racism and, and and they were having that same conversation of, oh, it's going to die out. People, old people are going to get old. And somebody was yeah. like, yo, Ron DeSantis is not even 45 years old. Ain't no dying out, man. This, I don't know if you saw um, that documentary, Shut Up and Dribble. Uh, I did not. Um, that's okay. the one that they did in response to Laura, uh, Jamel and... Um, it was the Laura Ingram thing mostly, but Jamel yeah. Hill was in it. She was featured pretty prominently. You know, it was a whole reaction to LeBron getting involved in, a, you know, talking about social yeah. and that civil rights matters and stuff. And um, one of the things, well, okay, so one of the producers is Maverick Carter. So obviously they had to bring in Jay-Z. And Jay-Z says something. Some people get to a point where they're so rich, you can't really blame them for being a little tone deaf. Yeah. And he said something. He he came in with that. Well, you know, we we can only expect, you know, that's the old generation, but that's going to die out and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be over soon. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, this same documentary just showed me footage of Charlottesville not five minutes ago. And you're going to say that like you're not you're not paying attention if that's what you believe. I mean, look at all this groiper shit like I, I'm, I'm we're operating on different planes of reality, either that or we're exposed to entirely different elements of what is actually going on. Maybe some people wait for news to come to them instead of people like us that go out and, and find like, yo, what's going on with this? Maybe that's maybe that's part of the problem. But you can't you can't sit here and think that it's just going to be over. Like, it's, it's like when it's as absurd as when Trump said that coronavirus is just going to go away on its own. You don't viruses and disease don't die on their own. You got to attack that shit. That's definitely very true. And it's interesting that, that you brought up Jay-Z mentioning that because he has been in a in, in, uh, rather compelling, I guess, personality when it comes to a lot of these conversations. Obviously, if you look at where he came from, um, basically being a street pharmacist before he became <laughs> into the hip hop space and then became you know, the billionaire that he is today. And listening to some of the things that he's saying now, a lot of individuals are very polarized about him. Like, is he truly about the progressive, I guess, I don't want to say black movement, or is he about those dollar bills first? I mean, I personally believe he, you know, he he is about, he's going to do everything he can to protect that money first and foremost. I totally understand that and I can respect that. But it's interesting when he says things like that, um, or like, saying that we're 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 beyond kneeling at this point or or other types of protests when he, he keeps having these sound bites he has yeah. like one every six months or so where you have to look at it with a little bit of a raised eyebrow I, i'd say more than a little because i mean you know he's like oh well you know supporting Kaepernick. then he's like the, the moment that there's an opportunity for him to make a solid bag partnering with the nfl like yeah maybe we shouldn't be kneeling anymore like what do you mean dude what are you talking about He's, he's he is about that money first and foremost, and that's just uh, I mean it's an unfortunate thing, but I I can't get in the dude's head, you know he he's 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 chasing paper the way he wants to, and that's like a lot of these other politicians, right? That at least for at least for Jay, like you that you have the same question that you could ask: How much more do you need, mm-hmm. right? How much more could you possibly? What satisfaction could you possibly gain being somebody like Nancy Pelosi, who's also not, you know, she's a little sharper than 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 some of these other cats. But you're doing all this insider trading. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is like sticking your foot in absolutely everything, creating all levels of malfeasance, being the 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 biggest money hustler 
in the American politics right now outside of Chuck Schumer. And yet, like, what, 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 to what end? Where does it end for you? At what point do you think, yeah, you know what, I think I've had enough? Is it possible for people like that to have that? I don't know if it is or not, because once you get into that position, you are accustomed to having more. Like, you know, when is enough enough? I don't think that's ever an answer or never a question we've ever kind of really answered. We see, I can't remember who, um, no, Kelly Loeffler was one of them. I can't remember who the other was, but the two politicians that messed around and and made their stock investments based on what what was going to happen with the COVID um, lockdowns, like things like that, you that's almost that's like that's beyond reprehensible to kind of see the see politicians being able to do that get rich and then there's no repercussions for them once that information comes out you see it still when we're talking about uh clarence thomas and other supreme court justices that are being flown all over the world treated all this all these lavish gifts and and offerings but there's nothing that the public can do about that to hold them hold them accountable for their actions so it's amazing to watch this consistently happen in our um, government space, and, and there's nothing that we can do about it. But, but now that you mention that, Clarence Thomas, that's a man who knows who Prince Yashua is quite well. He has I won the bet. That I man is that he definitely Clarence. Does. Clarence is an OG. That man is a sommelier when it comes to the adult entertainment arts. That brother knows. He, he just you just hear a scene and be like, oh yeah, I, that that's uh, that was Booty Talk seventy two. Uh, you'll know. Specifically, he'll tell you the, the specific number and scene number. I mean, I bet he's this, I bet he's the only guy. He's the guy who's still keeping the VHS market in business. I guarantee you that. I guarantee, every time I go home to uh. I, when I go back to Jersey and go see my mom and my family, there's this one adult entertainment story that's like sitting off, off the highway. Everything else around him has closed, but that place has been open easily 20, 25 years. Everything, when I say everything else in Jersey has, has closed on that strip, everything else is closed on that strip, except that one adult story that's always been there. Hey man, listen, you gotta respect the, the, these lone bastions, that one torch in the wilderness that is keeping the economy of a certain municipality going like that. And I respect that because that brother pays taxes. You understand? He so he definitely does. And he probably pays more than anyone else. And when the zombie apocalypse hits, that place is still gonna be there. He pays more than his client Thomas does. That's that I know that much. So last so last thing on on Mitch there, I, I know you said you didn't want to touch upon about, but what do you think about the conversations around the compassion that the public should have as we we watch his struggles? Do you think that that's a a valid conversation or is it one that we're having just because it's him? None whatsoever. No. So, so, okay. You got to understand something. There is a certain level of fake respectability that people want to have. Right. I remember there was a post that there's uh, Drew McGarry, I think was the one who, who talked about this um, back when Deadspin was like real Deadspin. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're over at Defactor now. Shout out to them. But there was an amazing question asked about Tim Russert when he died and he was the host of Meet the Press and he'd have all these those Sunday shows that are basically just for donors and lobbyists and all these other people. Just It's just sound by factories. Nobody really watches this shit. But there was this whole thing about, oh, this this bastion of journalism. Look at him. How, and he's like, just because he's dead, he's like some hero? Like, what did he really do journalistically? And it was a very valid question to ask at that point, right? So, excuse me. Um, I, I bring that up because it's like, 
there is a certain thing in the media where it's like you you talk about a particular person or a certain event in a way because you would like to be seen in that fashion when it happens to you. You would like for this to be. And also there's a game that's being played, right? You have to be seen as respectable. You have to be shown to have this veneration, whether it's because of desire for access, fear of being shut out of that access, or some people, which is the worst kind, the true believers. They really do think that these people are better than us and more uh, insightful and somehow have this wisdom to be passed down. Like, we can't be making fun of this man and his condition. Like, yeah, yes, yes the fuck I can. I'm breaking out the R.I.P. Bozo gif and video every opportunity I get because when you look at the manner in which these people have immiserated people, millions here domestically, and then beat the drums for the war machine internationally, you can't ignore that. You can't look at that and be like, no, well, I mean, he's he's still old. We got to be nice. You, you got to shake that out, man. Listen, I, I can't tell other people to think if they still want to go on believing that. Fine. You know what? Fantastic. I'm not going to stop you. That's not me. I'm sorry. I've lived long enough. I've seen enough. I've, I understand the evil that these people are capable of. And at some point, these people were not going to have that level of compassion for you. If they would have, they wouldn't be doing the kind of evils that they do in broad daylight and in secrecy. So, no, I don't really I, I, you're going to have to excuse me here, but I, I don't I really don't give a shit. This level of compassion is something you extend to a relative to somebody, you know, in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like how many times have we seen people, community leaders, icons of a certain uh, area that have done so much, whether it's charity work, whether it's just being a good neighbor and extending a helping hand, any opportunity they get, and then they have some horrible disease. And it's so unfair. And you you want to be there for these people. Those are the folks that I will show all the compassion in the world to. Not some motherfucker like this. Are we going to pour out a 40 ounce for Jeffrey Epstein? No, right? We know what that guy did. And we can talk about those crimes openly. We don't talk about the crimes of people that we elect as openly. And that that changes things, and that's why I feel like there's that 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 gulf in the the conversations that are being had. I definitely agree with you there. Like, there's so many people that they have directly impacted their life being the worst that it almost possibly could, and those individuals don't get compassion in any way, shape, or form. In fact, if what would be the opposite of compassion? I guess I don't what torture. Like, they get put through so much more based on what these individuals in office have done. So when you look at Mitch not being able to function and looking like a deer in headlights, I'm like, oh, well, like, let, let's let's keep the like next story. Keep keep the train running, put him on a gurney and get him out of there, because like, I'm, there's so much compassion that these individuals have not bestowed on millions upon millions of not even just Americans, but people that they like you like you said, people that their actions have directly impacted around the world that will never get the opportunity to even tell their story of what they experience. And we don't give compassion to them. So you right. want to give compassion to someone who was who was one of the masterminds behind all of that? Like, no, nah, I'm good. And who's and who's influence and 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 someone whose influence and footprint is gonna go on for generations, if not mm-hmm. forever. That's the crazy part about it. Like if Bill Cosby had a stroke tomorrow, you think people are really gonna be like, oh, we should we should really we should really take it easy on the other guy. Like, nah, man, that's that's the only way that that would be something that I can see people thinking, okay, you're going too far, is if he goes out the way that I'm hoping he does. Have I ever told you that story? Did I ever explain how that's supposed to go? No. All right. So so I'm imagining, right, this is how I'm envisioning the whole thing happen, right? News breaks out that he passed away, and some people are sad, you know, 
I'm like, oh, well, whatever, right? Some people are kind of celebrating it. Just as the debate and the anger is hitting a fever pitch, released footage from within his home of how it happened. He slips down the steps, and as he's falling down, each and every every impact that he's making on the way down, he's making one of those patented Bill Cosby sounds. And that, that makes the rounds on CNN. And I think people, everybody could agree at that point, be like, all right, that was really fucking funny. That was better than Ghost Dad. You can rock with that. At that point, you can't be mad. If people are laughing at it, you'd be like, shit was funny. My man went out funny. He went out funny. You can't, you cannot deny that that is a horrible way to go out. But at the same time, like, I really hope, oh God, I really hope that's how it happens. I need that man to be fucking miserable. I'm so, I, I am not sorry about that. I make no bones about it. A, that would be hilarious. And then B, it always cracks me up that the most, like the evil people live to be so long. Like, or excuse me, they live to be so old. Like I was, you know, like you're familiar with um, Vince McMahon and all the things he's done. <laughs> How bloody am I ever? <laughs> uh, and you know what, the most interesting thing is that people joke and like, oh, you know, he's what, 78 now. Like, you know, he's getting older. Like he just had that spinal surgery, so he can't do anything. I might do. Vince McMahon's mom just died like two years ago. Oh, that's right. She just passed. This is has he has the ability to live another 30 years. She was like 103 when she passed. So think about that. Like the man's genes have shown they can survive. You so know what? I've always said this is going to outlive all of us. He has the money. Like he has the money. Like he has the health care. You know he does. So I'm like, he's going to mess around and outlast all of us. This is how you know Mitch McConnell might have money, but he doesn't really have friends because they don't pump him full of the good drugs that did. You remember Biden was having the same thing happen to him a couple of years ago. And during the campaign, like his teeth literally fell out during the debate or during the town hall meeting. And they got him full of the good drugs. He goes out there a good five, 10 minutes like, all right, he sounded pretty solid. Mitch, they, they, they don't seem to have that for him. But Vince McMahon, he got the good drugs. That man is going to be out. like John McCain. His mother lived till she was like 110 or some shit. Like, this is like Tekken character ages at this point. Yeah, I mean, there was an ending in Tekken Tag 2 where they're like, oh, the reason Heihachi's hair stays black is because he's drinking some potion that he's been <laughs> some young every time. Like, Vince got that serum somewhere because when he got the the, the whole um, him coming out of the woods from the, uh, the rape accusations and then. Uh, the, the whole thing with the WWE merging with the UFC, their parent company made this thing. How did he come back? Looking like an anime villain. This man looked like a genuine Mexican pervert from a soap opera. He had the novella hair. He with had the mustache. Beard, everything. Well, yeah, a little mustache. Dude, his mom died in January of last year at 92, 98, 98 years old. He, he could literally live another 20 years old and would wouldn't even catch up to his mom. I'm gonna tell you this though, I don't think Shane makes it to 70. <laughs> That's gonna be some shit. I don't know. I don't think those I think they kind of get lost, they get rinsed out in the wash or something. I don't really think so, that's gonna really work out that way. Man, his, his uh Stephanie was like, nah, I'm done. I'm good. I don't want nothing to do with them. So she 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 might she might be the one that last last uh fight against time. But man, like events his genes have shown they can last. Probably. I don't know how long his old man lasted. He he was up there. Well, he wasn't like in his 90s, I don't think. No, nah, he wasn't in his 90s, though. But his mom was definitely around for a good for a good long time. Man, that's crazy, too, man. That's let's, crazy. let's see what else we're we talking about today, man. Uh, let's let's move the healthy relationships, healthy relationships topic to the end. 
Let's switch it. And let's talk about the NFL season real quick. Are you excited about that popping off this weekend? I guess it started on Thursday. Are you as hyped as everyone else is? Listen, I'm going to tell you like this, right? I don't understand the entirety of football as it is. I do not give a shit about football. I do not like, I hate the NFL with a passion as a league. Fuck them as a crew, as a label, as a clique, everything. I do not, I just don't have, I don't want anything to do with those motherfuckers. Main thing though is I am unfortunately, I'm sort of imprisoned by my curiosity of always understanding and following up with what's going on with the crime blotters and the manner in which these organizations, these franchises operating under what essentially amounts to a cartel is and how they move. You know what I mean? Like that's really where my mind is when it comes to anything related to football. The only time I genuinely care, the only way it really affects me is traffic getting home on Sundays. That's it. Other than that, it's like, you know, I, 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 cause you know, I, I, I can't say too much about it, but I live not that far from the stadium. So it's like, that that can turn into a bit of a headache, but I'm not thrilled about it. I don't dread it, but it's just I, I'm I'm always ready to see like, all right, what new thing are we gonna discover now? Like when um the owner of the Carolina Panthers was crying broke for years, and it turns out he was making bank under the table. You know, that kind of thing, I'm always drawn to that. And I always feel like we don't see too much of that until the season is actually underway. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just no, no, no. You're actually right because I feel like the Jerry the Jerry Richardson situation happened in the middle of the season. Like I remember that right. coming up like in the midst of the season as well. Dan Snyder. I mean, he's always been a, a topic, beginning, middle, and end of the season. They finally got him out of there. Coming into this, like I am not. I actually kind of st- I stopped watching football back uh, after Colin Kaepernick and, and Eric Reed were forced out of the league. So I have. And I, when I say I stopped watching like at the time, that was probably one of my most lucrative uh, freelance gigs as well. Like I was covering NFL for a Sports Illustrated uh, subsidiary at the time. And I stopped covering it all back then. I remember um, my editor at the time, he basically nixed one of my pieces about uh, when Donald Trump called NFL players sons of bitches. Oh, he nixed my piece about that. He was like, oh, this is all opinion based. There's nothing fat. I'm like, it, how, like, how is it opinion based when I'm talking about something that the man said on camera? Like, there isn't no if, ands, or buts. He said this on camera. We need to have a conversation about that. And my editor at the time nixed it. So I was like, all right, well, I, I resigned. I mean, it wasn't like really resigning. I was a freelancer, but I haven't watched the game since then. I haven't been involved with it since then. But it always interests me when the, when football comes back up, the way people forget all the conversations we've been having for the last two, three, four, five years. Like none of it's – I was listening to a podcast this week about the Rooney Rule, and there was something very interesting at the end. It was it was um, Code Switch by, by NPR. At the end of the podcast, what they're talking about is a way that the the NFL uses the Rooney Rule to kind of mask everything else. That's that's goes on. So when something else like that should be catching headlines comes up, like they uh, used it specifically during when um, the Will Smith movie about CTE came out. I can't remember Go-Kosha. what it was called. Go-Kosha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When that came out, so the way that they pushed those headlines down was by highlighting how they're using the Rooney rule to bring in more black coaches. That was around the time where they had a 
history leading, I think, seven black coaches in the league. I think now it's only three, three or two. Oh, but wow. Progress. They, wow. Yeah, seriously, seven out of 32. Wow. But they do that. They use the Rooney rule to kind of mask and all this other stuff is going on. So we know it's kind of like the same thing we were just talking about with with Mitch. We know that the NFL is capable of some of the some horrible atrocities to the the players just for the deal of making a buck. Let's not even talk about the cost of building new stadiums and what that does to the economy in those cities. But whenever the NFL comes back up, whenever the league comes back around, I always find it interesting that we just forget about these conversations and act like they never happen. Well, the thing about see, I don't again, like I don't, I couldn't name more than ten NFL coaches like through history. Okay, I, but but I always see no, I always notice it's like the same ten guys keep getting moved around. You know, like Norv Turner is a name that I keep hearing, and it's like, oh, he sucks. He's the worst coach ever. I'm like, well, how come he keeps getting signed to all these teams? Like, how is this? You're gonna tell me that somehow there aren't any more qualified younger people. And also that somehow those people are maybe non-white candidates for the job. I don't, I'm never really like, there is, there is an element, I guess it's like a, the devil, you know, type of thing, or I, I can't quite put my finger on what it is because when I read reports about it, it's like the players don't respect them. The owners don't like them. Like, why are you hiring this motherfucker? He, he's not new. People have known who these people are for years, and they keep getting moved around, just shuffled in, in, in like, um, you know, like you're shuffling dominoes, right? I mean, the pieces are going to end up on the table anyway. You're not swapping anything out. And then you have this thing with the Rooney Rule, which I feel kind of like, if I'm understanding this properly, it's like that they have to interview certain coaches or candidates for coaching jobs of color. But then, I mean, I, I just kind of feel like that's, you you it's one of those things that management can use to take off a box and say well we tried inclusiveness and then on top of that you have the adverse effect because you'll have fans or people members of the commentariat that have nefarious means people like clay travis people like you know people of that ilk colin coward who'll be like well that's an affirmative action attempt thing you know they shouldn't be doing that and this coach probably isn't that good they only hired them because they're black or filipino or whatever the fuck like that's where I start to lose patience with it because you think you think you're doing something with it, but you're really not. And then you look at things more more widely. If you take a step back from looking at the NFL, you look at how many major media companies have been getting rid of their diversity and inclusion uh, personnel. And you go, OK, so what exactly is going on here? Because the NFL is a corporation. They're borrowing taking cues from what they see in other media and vice versa, right? Other media seeing what they're doing, how they're managing their spaces, because it is largely a public relations ploy, right? Um, I don't know. I, I don't have any answers for any of that right now, but I'm curious to see what, what leads to that, because I certainly do have a lot of questions. Yeah, I like to kind of pay attention to the league, not from a sports standpoint or win-loss standpoint, but more from a headlines standpoint. Yeah. What, what do we see from a a society because i feel like the league almost represents an aspect of society as a whole when you watch and see how the, what types of headlines come out what are the reactions to some of those headlines and the fallout from that from a legislative legislative standpoint because it really sports does kind of imitate life in a way that art does as well and the nfl is definitely a, a, a guiding post on that but I'm I'm curious about something because you you mentioned you had that that situation at the place you worked at right I mean as as people who 
we've both been we've both been writing on the internet for a very long time. So we understand how fickle the nature of a lot of these things can be, the instantaneous reactions, um, seeing the 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 development of these stories in real time and then following along with how audiences follow it. Was there any like actual editorializing? Like what was the nature of your piece that that it had to be bounced like that? I mean, you reported, hey, this guy said this. Like what's what's wrong? Is he mad? Yeah, he was, well, basically it was about like the fact that this this is this was a monumental moment, right? You had the um, I don't can, was was he president at the time? I believe he was president at, at the time. But you have him from his his platform, the leader of the most powerful country in the world, saying that these athletes should be fired, they're sons of bitches, and basically calling for them to be excommunicated. Right. And with his with the power behind his voice doing that, that was a problem. Because you don't like these individuals are exercising their right to protest in a yeah. nonviolent, peaceful manner, and and they're using their platform the same way he does. And to see his response at the time and what that response uh, brings with it as well, I was like that, that. We need to be shining a light on why that is an issue. If he doesn't agree with what they're doing, cool, no problem. He can he can have that stance. But to cause and call them such names and calls and call for repercussions to be sent their way, that is a whole nother level that should have been covered with a more um, yeah with a more bright light on it. No, I I totally agree. Well, I guess my 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 main concern is as far as the incident that you're describing is what element of it was that they had taken issue with that it i mean because again i i don't unless you were scared of what kind of reader reaction you were going to get i don't see what and i'm not saying that that was a valid reason right i'm just trying to understand like put just from the perspective of someone who you know why would you shy away from this story if it's there and you know it's going to get clicks right i mean if you're really being cynical about it from a business standpoint is that not the purpose of the existence of these media uh, entities? I don't, I don't understand that. No, it definitely is. Um, I am trying to see if I can find it, um, but I can't find the email I got back about that. Uh, here, so actually, here, here it is. Um, no, this isn't the the, the right one. I do remember, look, I'm trying to find the content right here as we talk about it, but a lot, I didn't, I had been writing for this outlet for a couple years at the, at the point in time. I never got a lot of pushback around the pieces I was doing, but I specifically remember getting pushback, a lot of pushback around the NFL's anthem rule that they, uh, yeah. that they brought in and this Donald Trump piece. I, there wasn't, it, it was an opinion piece about why I believe both of these issues were problematic and on two separate cases. The feedback that I got was that uh, basically my opinion was too strong. I think that there was concern around the type of response that, that they would get. But I also think that there was that, that this was two individuals in an editorial position that had the ability to squash something that they didn't agree with. Um, that's also what I believe took place because um, you don't like how can I put it? I'm trying to put it in to words here. Like if they didn't agree with it, then the feedback should have been, hey, can you further support like these aspects of your piece instead of we're just going to nix the whole thing? I think there's two 
levels to that. There wasn't even an opportunity to, hey, here's an opportunity to rewrite it, refresh right. it, and maybe make these changes and we can rock with it. It was just, no, we're just not posting this, whatever, whatsoever. That's the end of that conversation. So I do think that, A, a part of it was concern around the blowback, and then, B, I think a part of it was individuals in editorial positions that had different points of views. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like when when you're when you're the way you're describing it, like, yeah, usually you you it's not unheard of for something if you want to have it handled a certain level of type, like, hey, maybe tamp down a little bit on this element and bolster a little bit of this because, you know, this way not. From an editorial perspective, you also want to keep it clear that you don't want to have um, you, you want to make sure that it's cohesive. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe that, you know, they, like, okay, well, I see what your point is with this. Maybe it would gel a little better if you focused on this and raise this. Like, I'm wondering if that, but then like, no, that's not at all what happened. They just killed the shit right there. And you smothered a story that everybody else was talking about, which makes even less sense to me. And I think that's all that, that's I think that last part is what I'm so hung up on. Like, why would you, why would you kill a story? Something that's made international headlines and it's cutting into your pocket. I mean, you look at how that upended so many things and how that changed the dynamics of things, right? Like you saw immediately like Jerry Jones going out with his players and kneeling with them and he could, you know, he he needed somebody to help him again. They needed to plug him with the good drugs to get back up because his hips were <laughs> moving like gearboxes. But um which was cynical by the way. It wasn't because he stood with the players. It's because he was mad that, you know, his former friend was having a, a hissy fit over some shit but um that caused a lot it led to the point where i remember the cover of sports illustrated shortly thereafter was like a whole bunch of different players kneeling except one the guy who started the shit the one person who was absent off that cover was colin kaepernick and it's like again editorial decisions why why are we doing this are we really or we're not talking about the actual story we're making the conflict the story and that that alone i mean that there's no there's no real cure for that i'm afraid yeah so i think we, we it'll be good for us to keep an eye out on what stories come out from the nfl this year is that is that dude that jimmy garoppolo that guy still playing i have no idea i wouldn't be surprised but he's the guy I, he's the guy that dated all them porn stars right again i wouldn't be surprised you know what if i was a i'm not even going for it here Vic. i'm not even going for it here. if i was a pro athlete in any sport i would probably be, have been doing the same thing too Without guy, a shadow of a doubt. That's another guy who knows Prince Yashua. See, we're building a thread. We're looking. We could just build up a cork board. That guy knows. That guy mm -hmm. knows. Like, we could just, that's probably a scale that we could use for something. I'm not sure what the metric ought to be, but, like, that look like a dude who knows Prince Yashua. One that day we like got to get him on the show, too. We got we to gotta find a way to get him up here and, and just, like, how many people have recognized you in public? Like, let's start there. I got a better idea. We got to get him to have a slap boxing match with Brian Pumper. I don't know why that name is just so funny. To, I guess I mean, it's it with a straight name. face. Brian Pumper. It was an excellent name. Excellent it's name. such it's a silly, time. silly name because like it works for the job, but at the same time, it's kind of like it's kind of dumb. It's, it's very dumb. It's very it's weird, so but it, it definitely stupid. worked. Definitely worked for the uh, time. Brian Pumper. My God. So it's funny, you know, we're talking about porn. I wanted to talk about healthy relationships, which could be an issue when it comes to yeah. two topics going together. But I've been having some interesting conversations that I was telling you, you know, yesterday, I think when we were texting back and forth about the show today. Yeah. This is, this might be like a little bit of a therapy therapy moment for me, I think, which is a kind of like a beneficial aspect of us having this time to talk. Yeah. But I was thinking, because I've, I've been having conversations with a partner of mine and and, and 
working through make, being intentional about having a healthy relationship with this individual. And I was thinking back as, you know, I'm 39, I'll, I'll be 40 in a couple months. At no point in my life has anyone ever said, this is how you have a healthy relationship. Now you hear these yeah. conversations coming up, maybe over the last two, three years, you, 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 you see that happening. But never once when in my formative years, when it really would have been beneficial, did I ever get a conversation about having a healthy relationship. So I really wanted to un- unpack that. Like for you, for yourself, when did you begin to have those conversations of like, okay, I got to figure out what a healthy relationship looks like for me and going through that? Because I think it's something that we don't talk about and no one, it's definitely something that we're not ever taught. You know what? I don't really, so God, this is complicated and I don't know that I'm really like, I kind of look at this as the way when I give people gambling advice, right? I can't tell you who to gamble on, you know, reliably, but I can tell you what not to gamble on. Stay away from this event, stay away from this fight. You know what I mean? Just that that's really as best as I can put it. Um, Every single relationship I've been has been incredibly non-conventional, you know, so um. Yeah, I don't really, and it, it's not, I, I didn't have the sort of healthiest environment to draw on. I had to figure out a lot of shit for myself. My dad was a country boy from the island, and, um, you know, when I was coming up and living in DR at that point in my life, like, I didn't know how to talk to girls. Like, how, he's going to help me? He's going to explain this to me? He never did, you know? So um, I'm thankful that I didn't need to have a talking to about things like consent that was just sort of, I guess, automatic, you know, you don't, you grow up with the principle of not hurting people, that kind of thing, just, and for me, anyway, it was just like, all right, well, cool, man, listen, you know, she says she doesn't want to do something, then, you know, you just, just back off, it's fine, you just, you live with it, uh, but when it comes to, like, well, I want to have a healthy relationship, I mean, I guess it's just something that everybody wants to have, but you don't really know what it looks like, until you reach a certain level of expertise. And that's one of the wonders of the internet age. You know, as poisonous as it has been to a lot of elements of discourse, it's brought a lot of good because we see people talking about matters regarding relationship, regarding regarding mental health, regarding stability and, and finding your own happiness. And all of those things are intertwined, right? So, um, I mean, I, I didn't really start focusing on what would be best until just a few years ago. And I mean, frankly, I I don't I, I I'm I guess it's one of those things where like everybody wants something that's that's healthy. But then at the same time I have the major problem of being a people pleaser. Like I try to avoid a lot of conflict and that creates some things too, because that builds resentment in certain arenas, that builds um a level of complacency and sometimes other people i can't guess what's going on in somebody else's head sometimes you have to come out and say it hey man i'd really appreciate if we did this differently or could probably stop doing that basic stuff but sometimes like again if you're not brought up with that if no one really comes in and intervenes or you don't have the the avenues to seek out some form of advice like who could i turn to I have a lot of really terrible advice coming up, you know, even from my own sisters. You know, it's like uh, I, I like a girl and, you know, you, you got to you got to pursue it. Like, well, she says she got a boyfriend. Ah, she's just lying. She's just trying to play hard to get. You got to keep going and you keep going like an idiot. Right. Like, <laughs> now, imagine like if we wrote down all the bad advice we got from like age 12 to like 35. 
Oh my God. And like, that I, would be ridiculous. I look back and I'm like, yo, what the fuck was, what was I thinking? Why did I let this very clear problem guide me to this? And on top of that, you know, girls were different in the R. Things were different there. And like, what you think is maybe flirtatious, maybe isn't. Certain things are actually, um, certain interactions are more benign or innocent. So you got some trepidation. You don't really know. And I'm also kind of aloof, you know, I like, I didn't really start giving serious consideration of possibly having ADHD until just a couple of years ago. So like my ability to engage with certain social interactions with people in general, let alone with women, is that was that was a big thing. So um, that affects you whether you're in a relationship or not. And so when I see a lot of this stuff now, like I'm happy that so many people have resources and people, even strangers are more than willing to offer genuinely good, strong and and healthy advice to um, kind of help you navigate those waters. But man, I, I, I just sort of lament at the same time, like I'm glad this is happening for you, but would have been nice if I had just like a, a chunk of that. <laughs> I was going well, it's crazy because I like I think about my nephew, my nephew is 25. Oh, wow. And I, I try to have, kind of have conversations with him when he's not being a knucklehead about, you know, what are you doing with X? What are you doing with, with, with Y? And it's interesting because he, like being so much younger, he has a different view on these issues now, but I don't even see him necessarily having the conversations that I was having then. And it's weird because I feel like everyone's stunted now. Everyone's like a little bit slower around the, uh, uh, the coming around the curve when it comes to having healthy relationships, having responsible conversations. Like, again, I asked a lot of my friends, when was the first time you heard about consent? Like, I didn't hear, I didn't hear that phrase yeah. itself. I didn't hear that word until my freshman year of college. Because yeah. at, at Elon, where I went, we actually had like a, almost like a freshman orientation course that you went to that first semester. And they yeah. talk about consent in that class. And that was the first time I ever heard about you think about all the years you did sex ed all the years you know you did health and, and all those top you never once have any conversations about consent so it's interesting to me now as a older gener uh, as a you know almost 40 years old how there's so many conversations that we've just missed as a society that would be so beneficial that if we if these are the types of conversations we were having at home with our family or if we we're having at school, you know, with, with the proper individuals at school, there's so many different conversations that we're just missing. That's just throwing us for a loop as we get older. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, like, I don't, I didn't do college. I didn't start college in the U S either. So I didn't get that orientation speech like that, you know? And, and so I think maybe the first time I heard anything related to consent was like watching some kind of like crime documentary or something like that. I think it was probably along those lines. It's like, ooh, I mean, just you just know that like forcing yourself on someone is wrong. You know what I mean? And I'm sure maybe I got some talking to from from my parents or something like that, but it, it would probably have been so early in my development that I don't remember it. But other than that, I don't remember that even being a term that had been used. And it's such a weird and scary thing that now is when these conversations are happening. Like, God, how many people would have been... Um, could have avoided terrible things happening to them or could have spoken up about things that were, what they might have experienced if they had known, if they had that, you know, like, I just, I, I just feel so terrible thinking about, you know, what could have been in those situations. I don't, yeah. So something, as we, as we talk through this, uh, I've just thought like something I do want to do is I want to look at 
the individuals who across the internet, mainly social media, because that's where you see these conversations going on, that are having those healthy conversations, that are, are, are saying, you know, like that are putting that positive energy around teaching people how to have healthy relationships into the world. I do want to kind of highlight some of their content on this show. So maybe that's something that we'll start doing as we get in our flow, like looking at different individuals. Like there's so many I can think of. Like um, I follow on Instagram. I haven't really dived too far into their different channels, but they um, it's called uh, Express Yourself Black Man. And there's a young black guy, I think he's like 25, 26, um, young black guy who speaks on a variety of topics. You can tell it's like, I think it's one episode that they've cut up into a lot of different conversations, but he speaks about having healthy relationships with himself, relationships with his family, with his with his partner. And it's interesting because you he is young, but he's breaking down a lot of topics that I have conversations with with my friends still at you know our age. I'm the youngest one out of basically all of my friends, and it's so interesting to kind of see those spaces. We see, you know, we see the fresh and fits. We see the other idiots that are saying all of the worst stuff. I would definitely like to kind of shine a light on some of those individuals who are saying who are saying the right things. Listen, man, I I got nephews. All right, my oldest nephew's 17 now. I want to feel like that whenever we have topics like this on the podcast, I want it to be for guys like him. I want it to be something that he can listen to and learn from and be proud of. I don't want him listening to these fucking fresh and fit guys. I don't want him listening to any of these manosphere loser motherfuckers coming out here. I swear, I just, it's so, so disappointing to see these people come out here and think that it's just cool. Like, what is your show? This is how you make a living. You invite a bunch of women over and you just you just you just shitty to them. You're just telling other men that they got to keep a woman down and, you know, and insinuate that maybe it's OK to hit them. Maybe it was their fault. Like, do you really need this in your life? Is this really where it's at? Because I guarantee you, if these cats, if they had sisters, would they justify it by saying, well, you know, they shouldn't have gotten mouthy? Are these dudes that got raised watching their mothers get smacked around? Like, how does this happen? Where? How do you make so how do you make a fresh and fit? How do you make a Sneeko? How do you, what lab do you have to be in to conjure? Like, I feel like there's probably, maybe there's a lot of hurt and pain in their backgrounds. They haven't found a way to manifest it, but you don't just take that and turn it around and vomit all this into the internet. And there's a market for it. Unfortunately, a lot of people want to hear that. They, 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 that message resonates for all the wrong reasons. And it is a societal thing, right? I mean, we, we talked about uh, off air, we talked about FD Signifier, shout out to him too, where he was like, yeah, Fresh and Fit got demonetized or whatnot, but they'll be back. Mm-hmm. They always come back. They're not They're not gone. They're not dead. They're This this damage is going to continue. You still got people mourning and celebrating Kevin Samuels. And I mean, RIP Bozo, you want to talk about RIP Bozo smoked the Kevin Samuels pack. I mean, that guy had nothing of substance to offer. This is what an intelligent person sounds like if you're not used to intelligent people talking. That Mm. is idiocy. This is a stupid person's idea of what a smart person sounds like. And if you're falling for that, man, I mean, there is hope. You know, I don't know if we're necessarily the antidote to that. Um, I, I don't know that we should try to be, but I do think that we should at least try to have more sturdy conversations about properly you know what is what is right what is wrong in the effort of trying to reduce harm i don't think there's anything really that you can ask for more than that i definitely agree with that i think that that's a good that's a good space to end today's show and kind of focus on the on, on the future there as well like our goal is to reduce harm and i want to elevate the fact that people what we need to be having those conversations 
who's having those conversations about healthy relationships, and we can rock from there. All right, now I guess it's time. Plug your shit. Plug your shit. Yeah, definitely. So where where can I get more of this this mind of yours, Raphael? Tell me. Definitely. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and uh, what's the other one? Twitter. Those are my main two spaces. I'm taking a little bit of a social media hiatus for this month. A little bit. You, you may see me tweet a little bit every now and then, but Instagram, I've been basically ready to go silent on. But you can find me in both spaces at rgarcia underscore sports, where usually talking pro wrestling and sports first and foremost, but you get all the other stuff in there mixed in. So I, I always tell people, come for that. Stay for the comedy and social justice and all that other stuff mixed in there, because you're going to get a little bit of all that all day throughout the day. So yeah, like that's where you can find me, R. Garcia underscore sports on both Instagram and Twitter. This man goes to a winery one time, and now social media is beneath him. You see, it really do be your own people's. Look at how he's doing this right there. <laughs> that's what I was like, that, oh man, I got... <laughs> So, first and foremost, it was out in the middle of nowhere. It was me. They always are. It was me and my partner and her two friends. So, I'm texting my homeboy. I'm like, yo, I want to share my location just in case if anything pops off. You know, like this is where I was. Like, come, hey, come look for me here. But It saved, um, it saved the guy from get out. So, you, you did right. Listen, listen, this is where I'm going. But um, it was a good time. It was a good time. I'm not, I'm not too much of a wine person. I feel like I get a little bit more drunk off that faster. But it was a good time. It was a good time. That's crazy. You came back from them hills with a little synth, uh, a snifter in your hands. I find shallow. I find social media shallow and pedantic. <laughs> OK. All right. I see you. I see you. Yeah. Uh, I am on Instagram at Victor Sinister Rodriguez. It's mostly food and travel stuff. I have not been posting much at all really on that. But I am unfortunately terminally online and never logging off of Twitter. I still call it the Twitter. We are not calling it nothing the fuck else. No single letters in this household. We don't do that. That's that's disrespectful. So, yes, uh, I am there at uh, Vic M. Rodriguez. And, yeah, we want to thank you all for joining us. And hopefully we'll be back in your lives soon, in your ears and on your eyes. Please be sure to share, like, subscribe, all that other good stuff. Bang. Have a good one, folks. Face like the Knicks on, dick long, gripped in the pits with my wits on. Low quick, short wick on a lip bomb. But it's strong, any record inspector on.